the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We are underway on this Thursday, the fourth morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Thank you so very much for being with us. If you heard Hugh Hewitt this morning and stuck around for this program, awesome. If you were not on before and you just turned the radio on, awesome. Either way, glad you're here, and hopefully you can stay for a while. Coming up in about an hour, we will talk with our only guest of the program today. That is Dr. Everett Piper as he leads us into another battle or two or five in the culture war uh, that we continue to fight. One that we did not ask for, one that we did not declare, but one that we absolutely must answer and we must win. That's the reality. So Dr. Piper will join us. He's got a host of things coming up at 1010. Before that and after that, it's all you. And me, together, at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. If you missed any of the interviews from yesterday's show, particularly Michael Franzese, um, you're going to want to hear it. Good stuff. Take a look and uh, take a listen at our website, whkradio.com. Go to the podcast page there and listen in. And uh, all of the interviews and all of the segments we've been doing, which are very, very important, are archived for you there for your convenience. Today, I want to start the program 
Well, actually, before we do our pledge, I'm going to start a pro- the program with the update on yesterday's lead story, which is the Ohio House, which has been overtaken by Democrats and trans Dems, despite a 67-member out of 99-seat Republican majority. It has been taken over by Dem- actual Democrats, 32 of them, and trans Democrats, meaning the Republicans who are transitioning and uh, acting as Democrats. Um, they, of course, are doing everything that they can to stop an August special election from happening, one in which we would be able to vote to raise the threshold to amend the Ohio Constitution from 50% to 60%. It's very, very important that we have this in August so that we can potentially head off uh, the permanent enshrinement of abortion and uh, and child mutilation into the Ohio Constitution in November by way of a ballot initiative. We told you about this all day yesterday. I'd just like to recap to give people who have not been paying attention a chance to catch up. So apologies for any redundancy, but that's what you need to know, uh, needed to know yesterday. And then uh, as we spoke about yesterday, the Ohio uh, Committee, the House Government Oversight Committee, was supposed to meet yesterday afternoon, at which point they needed to pass... Out of that committee, two very important bills that would allow us to get the uh, special election in August to happen. We were very skeptical, particularly when I talked with Jack Windsor at the end of the program, that they would pass it out, considering a significant number of the Republican members of that committee are trans-Dems. And sure enough, they didn't. But not because they voted against it, they just didn't vote at all. Ohio State House Republicans have again delayed action, taking action, rather, on a bill that would set an August special election to ask voters to make it harder to amend Ohio's Constitution. Without explanation, the Ohio House Government Oversight Committee canceled its planned meeting, according to a notice from the Office of GOP Rep. Bob Peterson, the committee's chair. They were set to vote on Senate Bill 92, which would schedule and fund the August election that, of course, already passed in the Senate last month. Nat Huffman has done a great job of guiding conservative uh, legislation for the betterment of the state of Ohio through the Senate. And Jason Stevens, the thug trans-dem who stole the gavel by partnering with the evil Democratic Party in this state that believes in killing babies at any stage of gestation for any reason that they see fit, that believes that parents should not have the right to actually have a say in what their kids do with their bodies while they're young, impressionable, preformative-minded children, Yeah, the evil Democrats actually are running the show now because they bought and paid for Jason Stevens with their votes for him for Speaker. And Jason Stevens is now paying that back. That bill came due, and he is now paying it back. The Republican-dominated House now likely won't take up the measure until next week, and I will make my prediction right now. And if I'm wrong, I will own it, eat a plate of crow, and apologize next week. But my prediction right now is that Jason Stevens will not take this up. That committee won't take this up, and Jason Stevens won't allow this to come to a floor vote by the time the deadline next Wednesday comes and goes. I I have no belief whatsoever. He has no interest in this. He is paying back Allison Russo and the Democrats for what they gave him, and that is his power. The bill is due, and he's ready to pay. The House is scheduled to hold a session on Wednesday, the same day as the constitutional deadline to set an August 8th election. The vote is expected to be close. 
there's not going to be a vote. I, I'm just telling you right now. Like I said, I'll apologize next week, and I'll, I'll admit my my uh, my wrong if I am wrong. But uh, no, it's not going to happen. So that's just where we are. Uh, yesterday, they did not have that committee hearing. They did not have that vote. They did not explain why. They just sat on it. And this is exactly how this is going to go. They're going to sit on this and then say, sometime next Thursday, the day after the deadline, we just couldn't come to an agreement. They're going to try to, you know, salve the wounds of everybody that gets hurt in this whole thing and just say, ah, we couldn't quite come to an agreement. We all agree that we're all pro-life, but we couldn't come to an agreement on the best way to handle this, uh, you know, this amendment to change the amendment threshold and so forth. That's what they're going to do. They're going to sit there and let it pass by. And then just expect uh, the backlash will blow over because it always does. And you know what? The trans Dems might be right because in Ohio, weak rhino representatives come from weak rhino voters. That's right. I'm putting it on us. Weak rhino voters elect weak rhino politicians and representatives in the Ohio State House, in the General Assembly. Weak rhino voters elect weak rhino leaders. Then we sit here and say, well, how come they didn't do what we wanted them to do? And we say that for about 30 seconds, and then we move on to the next thing. And it blows over. They're right. I will say what I have said many, many times, and I know I have pissed many, many a Republican off when I do. I don't care. We are the weakest, most pathetic excuse for a red state in all of the United States of America. We are a reliably red state that gave power to the Republican Party in the General Assembly, in every statewide elected office, conservative Republicans leading the, the, the courts in the Ohio Supreme Court. We have, we voted red in each of the last three presidential elections. We have elected Republican governors consistently now for the last four. We should be a reliably red conservative. We are a reliably red conservative state, but we are rhino red rather than being conservative red. That's the reality. We are weak. We are useless as a, as Republican voters because of the types of people that we give this extraordinary power to, only to watch them just tinkle it away down their weak little legs because they're weak and they're cowardly. And they're trans Democrats. So there's your update. If you want to weigh in on that, you may do so. Again, we're guest free in the first hour, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Going to start with education. That's going to be the theme of the first hour, other than your phone calls. Right after we do our Pledge of Allegiance, Patriots, please go ahead and stand. Pledge your allegiance to that flag. Join us. Put your hand on your heart and face that flag. If you are a believer in what rhino red trans Democrats do in the Ohio State House behind a man who stole the gavel with the willing assistance, the aiding and abetting of 22 feckless, weak Republican rhinos uh, in the January 3rd vote, if you believe in any of that, well, you are exempted from your pledge to, or excuse me, from the request to pledge your allegiance to this flag in this country. You may instead take a knee where you're more comfortable being weak and feckless next to that old, unemployed activist quarterback over there. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America 
and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, it's 919. We'll take our break here. We'll come back. We're going to start talking about education and its ultimate failure in Ohio and around the country because of the refusal of teachers and teachers' unions to actually commit to educating them. They're indoctrinating them. They're activating them. They are not teaching them. I've got plenty of stories to prove that point. We'll talk about it as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. So yesterday I um, I mentioned uh, Representative Al Catrona, who we had on uh, January 4th, the day after the speaker steal of 23. And we had him on, and I asked him why he and the other 22 turncoats gave away the unified power that the voters of the state of Ohio gave the Republicans, his party, our party, um, why he, why they just completely surrendered it and, and gave the power to select the speaker to 32 Democrats who were the super minority. And I asked him how he could do such things. How could you possibly not want Derek Maron, who won the caucus vote in November, to be the speaker? How can you let Jason Stevens on in, in into this uh, into this position? And Al Catrona was bragging about what a phenomenal conservative Jason Stevens was and the conservative agenda that he was going to enact. In fact, he was so confident of this, he said to me, At the end of the day, I believe that we're going to have a conservative agenda. And I think you're going to ask me back onto your show three months from now, two months from now, six months from now, and you're going to say, Katrona, I'm surprised. I, 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 you know, I was concerned at first uh, that there was not going to be this conservative agenda. And but you're going to you're going to ask me back on here, and you're going to say you're right, Katrona. You, I was surprised. I was, I was, uh, I was. Uh, 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 it was hard for me to believe, but boy, you're right. That's what he said. I would say, really. Um, let me say this, Katrona, today marks four months from the time you said that. Today, to the date, January 4th, now May 4th, it's four months later, and I'm not feeling like telling you you were right. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of feeling like maybe you and the rest of the trans dems are full of you-know-what. And maybe that's why you're not answering the calls or the texts that I continue to make and send. Text from me to Al Catrona, Tuesday, Rep Catrona. When we last spoke, you assured me I'd be thrilled by the Speaker's leadership and the conservative agenda in just a few short months. Can we revisit that prediction on the air in the morning? No reply. Text from me to Al Catrona yesterday. Following up on the above with two friendly little carrots pointing upward. No reply. Me, this morning, to Alcatrona. Shall I take your silence to indicate a change in your beliefs from January 4th? No reply. I know that our team, Marcy and Johnny, have been reaching out to Representative Catrona to try to have this conversation. Sir, you said we'd be thrilled. We'd be thrilled with the, uh, with the, uh, conservative agenda being pushed, promoted, and carried and passed by Jason Stevens and his, uh, uh, his supporters. You told us that, and you would, you would come back to hear my apology for doubting you. 
Well, I'm here four months later. You said three months, five months, six months. We picked one right in the middle. Four months in here, and I'm waiting to have that chat. Maybe I will apologize to you. Maybe I'll say you were right. Jason Stevens is doing a great job. Who knows? Do you have the courage to come on and, and find out? At the end of the day, I believe we're going to have a conservative agenda. And I think you're going to ask me back onto your show three months from now, two months from now, six months from now, and you're going to say, Katrona, I'm surprised. I, 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 you know, I was concerned at first uh, that there was not going to be this conservative agenda. And, but you're going you're gonna to ask me back on here, and you're going to say, you're right. Yoo-hoo, Alessandro, where are you? Alessandro Catrona, we are waiting. And why aren't any of the rest of these trans-dems speaking to the media? Why aren't they speaking to media that will actually challenge them and question why they did what they did and what the outcome looks like right now. Why are they only speaking to friendly media? Media that likes the fact that they're trans-dems, because they themselves are dems. Why isn't Tom Patton talking to me? Why isn't Scott Olslager and Sarah Carruthers and John Cross and Jay Edwards and Jason Stevens himself, why aren't they talking and explaining these things? Why do they walk right by reporters who are asking important questions? Why do they just issue um, uh, statements about uh, 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 not having a vote, canceling a vote in a very important committee without any explanation whatsoever? Why? I think we all know why. Because the response is going to be an appropriate response and a fair response. When we see things like this, this is all, instead of interviews, weak, pathetic, cowards like Representative John Cross decides he'd rather go onto Facebook and make statements where he won't be questioned. He won't, there won't be follow-ups. There won't be, there won't be any uh, uh, back and forth. So he goes on Facebook and says, I support the policy behind both House Joint Resolution 1 and Senate Joint Resolution 2, which would increase the threshold to 60% to change our Constitution by a citizen initiative. However, I oppose the other two bills that create a special election in August because we just voted to end August special elections in the last General Assembly. I suggest we hold the vote on the Constitutional Amendment in March of 2024 to maximize turnout and actually have a winnable pathway, I am 100% pro-life, and I am working on a winnable solution with a path to victory, end quote. You know why John Cross will only put that on Facebook rather than try to sell that tripe in a live radio interview? Because he will hear this response from me. Bull crap! How dare you call yourself 100% pro-life when you want the November initiative to pass then you want to hold a special election to raise the threshold to 60% in March, which would be nothing but cutting off our own nose despite our own faces. We would then be making it harder at 60% to pass an initiative to get rid of the one that they want to use to kill babies more efficiently in November. That's a winnable strategy for a 100% pro-life representative? Weak, pathetic, trans-democrat. Just finish your transition, sir. 
Go ahead and become a full Democrat. Stop pretending. Stop wearing the R after your name. You're transitioning. Just finish the job. Go have the political mutilation necessary for you to become a full Democrat. We're done with you. I'll be back. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do anyway. Trying to wake people up. A little bit hard sometimes. People are dedicated to their closed-mindedness and their ignorance. Their slumber, as the promotion says. So let's, uh, let's pivot. We've been wanting to talk about education on a regular basis. We're actually kind of in the in the process of creating a weekly segment at a certain time every week. It's hard though because breaking news cycles change, and then we have to, you know, we want to bring somebody else on to talk about a breaking story, and we can't because we have the previously bookmarked uh, um, uh, segment ready to go. But but we're really trying to make that happen where we talk about education for a particular period of time each and every week because it is so incredibly crucial. My Twitter timeline, and you can follow me on Twitter if you are there, at France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z, R-A-N-T-Z, France Rants. Um, it's filled with um, young Gen Z punks who just uh, got out of school, or maybe they're still in college. They're being paid by the Biden administration to go on there and advance far left-wing pro-Biden policy uh, messaging. And they're everywhere. Uh, these these social media influencers, as they're called, being hired, like I said, by left-wing organizations, including, by their own admission, the Biden administration, to advance their, um, you know, their cult-like beliefs. And um, it's just funny watching them try to tell uh, their elders, those who have been through the wars, those who have been through the, uh, you know, the decades of this country's advancement, its partial decline, and so on and so forth, that they know what's best. These young 20-year-old Gen Zers, these 17-year-olds on there telling us all what's going on. And I try to respond to them as little as possible, but occasionally I'll fire something off at them and point out the fact that, you know, you you young robots um, have not yet even had your preformative minds opened up enough to, to process anything that you are you are receiving at this particular point in time. Um, you are robotic. You will indeed act like a computer in whatever left-wing tripe that your left-wing teachers, union representatives from primary through middle through high school through university level pour into you, you will reliably spit back out in papers, essays, and so forth, if you're even writing them at all, if you haven't already enlisted ChatGPT to write those for you and plagiarize your way uh, through the way Joe Biden did for his entire educational and professional political career, um, you know nothing about anything, and you need to stay in your lane. And right now your lane is the slow lane. Let your brain develop. Let your lane grow. And now that you're out of school, you need to try to shake off the indoctrination and do a little bit of thinking on your own. But thus far, that's not happening. The problem is real. How real? American eighth graders' test scores 
have been released. The Department of Education's National Center for Education Statistics. They conduct their uh, national assessment of educational progress uh, to measure students' proficiency in things such as civics and history every four years. And the test scores are in for the nation's eighth graders. And they have hit lows not seen in 20 years. Roughly 40% of 8th graders scored below basic in U.S. history. These tests were administered to a representative sample of 8,000 8th graders in the spring of 2022. So we're a year after that now. We're getting the results. In basic, or the below basic, rather, in U.S. history, 40%. That is worse than the 34% who were below basic in 2018, the 28% who were below basic in 2014, Just 13% were considered proficient in the subject, down from 18% in 2014. The average score on the history scale reached 258, down from its 2014 peak of 267, one point lower than the score of the subject's first assessment in 1994. The civic score declined for the first time since the assessment began began testing that subject in 1998. The average civic score fell three points. Further, 31% of the students scored below basic in civics, while 22% were considered proficient. Last fall, the nation's report card saw the largest ever drop in math and a significant decline in reading. So when we talk about our core subjects... Mathematics, reading slash language arts, history. We talk about the core subjects. They don't have one of these for science. America's kids are failing. America's kids are losing. And as a result, America is losing. And why? Why is it that our kids are so non-proficient in these core subjects? It's because in the non-core subjects of gender ideology and pronoun usage and pride uh, 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 lessons and units and critical race theory, and social-emotional learning, because those non-core subjects that have become all the rage in American classrooms all across this country, the education time spent on those far exceeds the education time spent on things like history. And even if and when they get around to teaching some history, what kind of history are they teaching kids? Well, the significant number of these kids, when asked, what do you know about George Washington?, They don't talk about his leadership as the first president of the country. They don't talk about his leadership as a general in the Revolutionary War who helped literally form and found this country. Their answer is he owned slaves, and he should be canceled. NCES Commissioner Peggy Carr said the civics results should be a national concern. Quote, self-government depends on each generation of students leaving school with a complete understanding of the responsibilities and privileges of citizenship. But far too many of our students are struggling to understand and explain the importance of civic participation, how American government functions, and the historical significance of events. These results are a national concern. Peggy Carr is absolutely right. However, Miguel Cardona, President Joe Brandon's education secretary, 
respond to the, to the results in a different way. He decided to attack Republican-led states that banned critical race theory. Now is not the time, Cardona said, banning history books and censoring educators from teaching these important subjects does our students a disservice and will move America in the wrong direction. Do you see what is happening in government schools? This is the education secretary saying CRT is real American history. That the 1619 Project is real American history. And that banning those things from being taught is what's causing these kids to not understand history. I mean, he's literally in a bizarro world. Bizarro Superman. You know Bizarro Superman, right? Looked like Superman, talked like Superman. Well, didn't talk like Superman. Had the same Superman powers, but everything was in reverse. Spoke backwards. Said the opposite of everything that Superman would say. That's what this is. Miguel Cardona is the bizarro education secretary who says that CRT is real history and real American history is, is, uh, is, is mythical. Real American history that we've been teaching, that we've been living, living and then educating on for the last 230 years. These are the, these are the, are the lies. These are the fabrications that the 1619 project is real. That the country was founded when the first African slaves landed on the shores in 1619. That's when this country was founded. The teaching that the Revolutionary War and that 1776 was when we declared our independence, all of that is the fake stuff. It's a bizarre world. Why is all of this so important? It's so important for obvious reasons. Number one, we need the next generation, as Peggy Carr said, each generation, to have an understanding of the responsibilities and privileges of citizenship. Citizenship matters, and it doesn't come free. If you want to be a citizen, you have to be a productive citizen, not a drain on our society, but a productive asset to our society, to this culture that has grown into the greatest civilization in the history of humankind. The American dream leads to the American reality, but it doesn't come free. And these kids need to know the history that preceded their existence here. These young punks going on social media and telling lies for Joe Biden all to cash a little paycheck and get a little deposit into their Cash App account or their PayPal account or whatever. They're willing to spread the lies, and they're willing to ignore true history, and all it's going to take is a generation, probably not even two. We're, we're, we're kind of already on our way to two because the millennial generation Not as bad as this Gen Z generation, but they were also indoctrinated. And there's an old saying that a lot of people, you know, and I've I've kind of I've kind of sworn by this, I think, to a certain extent as well. That says if you're not a liberal Democrat um, before you're 30, you've got no heart. If you're not a conservative Republican after 30, you've got no brain. They teach these kids to feel everything. They teach them that how they feel about things is reality. And it isn't until their brains form fully at 25, 26, 27 in reality that they start thinking things through instead of feeling things through. That rather than emotions being uh, the bedrock principle of of our culture, our life, our history, and so forth, rather than their emotions, that actual facts make up those things. 
um, generally speaking, people start to figure it out. And obviously, it doesn't work in every case. That's how you end up with 80-year-old Joe Biden, uh, who is a virtual Marxist at this point in his life, and socialist Bernie Sanders. But you understand the point. We're kind of two generations in because of the millennial generation, but many of them are wising up as they get into their 30s. But Gen Z behind them is going to be an entirely different affair. Most of the millennials started to get their indoctrination at the university level. They didn't have it at the high school level the way these young kids coming up now are. They certainly didn't have it at the middle school and at the primary school. And yes, dare I say, at the pre-K level. Because at the pre-K level, this is exactly what they're doing when they're teaching kids that you don't have to be a boy, Johnny. You might be a girl today. Would you like to play with this doll? Would you like to carry this fairy princess wand? And, you know, you do? You like that? Okay, well, let's work on what pronouns would you like to be called? Johnny, do you want to be Janie? They're doing this stuff, literally, and they're bragging about it. You know it's real because they are putting themselves as social media influencers in videos, online, doing it, admitting to it. So the millennial generation didn't have that full-on effect, but they had a significant portion of it. Now it's the Gen Zers, literally from K through university, that are that are being indoctrinated like never before. You wonder why they can't pass an American history exam? You wonder why they can't pass a civics exam? Because they've never been taught it. They've been taught how to feel, not to think. Some examples. How about some examples? This is the kind of thing that is going on. In uh, On Teacher Appreciation Day, three teachers went on Fox and Friends to speak, of, speak to the issue of the national teacher shortage. And there is a massive national teacher shortage, by the way, which I would normally say is a really difficult thing. But when I consider what these teachers are teaching... When I consider that they all belong to the National Education Association or their state, like the Ohio Education Association, the teachers' unions, the left-wing indoctrination uh, 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 organizations, I'm kind of glad there's a shortage. But these particular teachers wanted to talk about why. And the biggest issue they're saying in this national teacher shortage is teachers don't want anything to do with what they're being forced to teach as members of the union and at the directive of these left-wing school boards. They also don't want to be in classrooms with students who are never going to be disciplined again in their lives because they have been told that if anybody yells at them, much less punishes them, it's a microaggression that they can find actionable. Teachers have no control. Three-quarters of U.S. states now report that they are short on teachers. We have teachers leaving the profession in droves, said one teacher, Brooke Otten, on the segment. We have teachers leaving the profession that puts a lot of stress on the teachers that are left behind in classroom teaching. They're not well-staffed. Classes were overcrowded. And we have no control over the students. Polls reveal Parental rights, transgender policies, and politicized school curriculums are key issues for Republicans, but not for Democrats. And guess who runs the schools? The Democrats. Another teacher on the panel said that the number one reason teachers are quitting is the trend away from discipline. Teachers are are, uh, giving in because of the behavior in the classrooms. 
He's also an aw- a visiting fellow, by the way, at the Fordham Institute and the author of What is Wrong with Our Schools. And he said there's a trend f- away from standard punishments, consequences, and behavior is worsening across the country. It's affecting everything else in education, including teacher morale. Since the pandemic, school board meetings have oftentimes become battlegrounds for parents and school board officials, as you know. And this national debate is leaving teachers who may want to do the right thing stuck because they are not allowed to discipline the right way and they are not allowed to teach what they want to teach. They are being forced to teach left-wing indoctrination. So what does that mean? It means that the National Education Association, which collaborates with groups like the National School Board Associations, it means that they collaborate and they come up with this radical indoctrination that they want to pump into these kids' brains. Teachers who are part of the union are forced to do it or they lose their jobs, which is why they are indeed giving up their jobs and they're fleeing. A survey conducted by the National Center for Education Statistics found that 44% of public schools, a.k.a. government schools, report having teacher vacancies. The survey published in March of last year also found that 61% of government schools reported at least one vacancy as uh, being a responsibility of the pandemic. Most of the vacancies were due to resignations, however, the survey noted, not retirement, people fleeing. Rhode Island teacher uh, Ramona Bessinger said teachers are being forced to adhere to these political ideologies in the classroom and contrary to what their personal beliefs are and contrary to what is even right or true. For example, this anti-American content we're seeing, this anti-girl, anti-boy content that we are seeing, teachers don't want to do it. The left-wing ones that actually make up the teachers' unions and support them do want to do it, but the others are caught up in, you know, the, uh, the the flood, if you will. And when they push back, when teachers actually push back against the content, or they push back against the uh, lack of discipline, they are the ones who end up being ostracized and then canceled, unhirable by other school districts. The education system in this country is in crisis. Unlike, honestly, anything in my lifetime, and I'm not 90, so it's not that long of a lifetime, but I can tell you that in my lifetime, and I speak to you as a former educator who saw a lot of this coming in the mid-1990s when I left uh, teaching, I can tell you seriously that this is an unprecedented event. This is an unprecedented moment. This is an unprecedented agenda that is being uh, that is being followed and implemented and forced. And the victims of that agenda are are honestly all of us. Yes, the children, but then these children who grow up to be these online influencers who are continuing to corrupt the young children behind them, and all of us suffer as a result. Education is a crisis in America. There's just no two ways about it. I've got, I've got a half dozen more stories here I couldn't even get to in this segment, but I'll try to talk about later. We will talk to Everett Piper. Dr. Piper leads us in these culture wars. He'll be with us coming up here in about 15 minutes. Stay here on Always Right Radio. It's a situation. Like a you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. 
We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two now underway at eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. Education in America is in crisis mode. There is no two way. There are no two ways about it. We are going to talk more about that coming up in a bit. I promise. I've got a lot more stories on that realm for you. We'll also continue to update you on the disaster in the Ohio State House, the disaster that is the wasted Republican supermajority. Uh, but for now, we want to talk about the culture wars. And one of our leaders, as we battle this uh, this this war in this war that we did not ask for, is of course Dr. Everett Piper, former university professor, best-selling author, weekly columnist for the Washington Times, podcast radio host of the Rebellion, and he is also a county commissioner in Osage County, Oklahoma. Dr. Everett Piper, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Bob. Great to be on your show. You feeling better? Uh, if I'm if I sound like I'm growling a bit, it's because I've got a real head sore throat, so bear with I, me, okay? I can hear it. I hear it a little bit. I'm sorry to make you do this. I probably should have given you the morning off uh, because no, I know you're feeling right. under the weather. But thank you for, for fighting through this. So, Dr. Piper, we've got uh, we got some very important things to talk about. Let's start, as we always do, with your weekly Washington Times column. Your latest um, discusses the difference between tolerance and love. Um, tell us what you mean. What, what, is the, what is the major difference between the two? Well, I'm taking on one of the one of the uh, strategies of the left. Uh, postmodernity re- deconstructs everything. Uh, we tear down definitions. That's the definition of postmodernity: is to ignore definitions, tear them down, deconstruct them, and then build up new things in your own image, rather than accepting the objective meaning and definitions of reality. We see that in the deconstruction of the woman. The woman is not real any longer. We deconstruct that word, and then we reconstruct it in the image of whatever it is, drag, trans, LGBTQIA. It's happening everywhere. Words that used to mean something like green, green used to be a color, now it's a political agenda laden with climate change and the political left. Gay used to mean joy and happiness, now it means sexual license, licentiousness, lust, and debauchery. This is endemic in our culture right now, and one of the words Keywords, if not the keyword that has been uh, completely bastardized, is the word love. And we, we see it all the time. Love trumps hate. Love is love. What do they mean? Essentially what they mean is tolerance, because they have made love and tolerance synonymous with one another and interchangeable. As you know in this article, I'm arguing that that is a terrible definition of love, because tolerance is an inferior virtue. Tolerance says I don't love you. I really don't care about you. Just go do what you want. I'll tolerate you. It's apathy, essentially. It's indifference. But Christian charity, otherwise known as love, agape love, as the Apostle Paul defines it, is kindness, goodness. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not pursue evil. It pursues good. Love is a superior virtue. Love says, I care deeply enough about you to stand in your way and tell you to stop. Whereas tolerance says, I could care less, do what you want. I said this to Bill O'Reilly on his show way back in the day when I was on The Factor with him. We got onto this issue of tolerance, and after he, and I think he was playing the devil's advocate. I really do think he agreed with me. 
But I stopped him in the midst of the presentation of tolerance, and I said, Mr. O'Reilly, did you send your wife an I tolerate you card on your anniversary? And there was a pregnant pause, and he wondered what in the world I was talking about. And I said, well, no, you didn't. You didn't send an I tolerate you card to anyone you loved because it wouldn't have ended well. Because love is superior and tolerance is inferior. We don't send people we love I tolerate you cards. And we need to, as, as, as conservatives, we need to conserve the things that matter. We need to conserve definitions. The definition of a woman matters. The definition of a child matters. The definition of freedom and liberty matters. And the definition of love matters. So when people wave their rainbow banners of love is love, just ask them a question. Can you tolerate my intolerance? Is tolerance a superior virtue or is it inferior? Do you really love somebody enough to stand in their way if they're harming their heart, mind, body, and soul and say, stop? You should not do that. I love you enough to make you feel uncomfortable. A good parent does not tolerate his children. He loves his children enough to discipline. I'll go back to the Bible in my last comment here and say, it's clear in Scripture that the Lord disciplines those he loves. He doesn't tolerate us. My land, he gave his life for us. God doesn't tolerate evil, brokenness, and sin. He confronts it enough to sacrifice his own son, the second person of the triune God, gave his life for us. There was no apathy or indifference there. There was great love. And greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Dr. Piper, there's a line in your in your uh, column uh, about this that I just want you to go a little deeper on, and that is tolerance, as is, as it is defined today, can quickly become tyranny. It squashes debate, derides dissent, and silences speech. Um, I think we're watching that play out in a lot of different forums across this country. Can you go further? Well, yeah, because tolerance um, is selfish, okay? Essentially... Tolerance doesn't care about others. Like I said, tolerance by definition is apathetic. It's indifferent. It doesn't care. So when you become an uncaring society... And is, it, culture, is, it a pos- is it a positive trait, though? Is it a positive trait on its own, apart from its differences from love, as you, you point out so eloquently? Is tolerance a positive trait, or is it a negative trait? Well, if it's properly defined and in context of a broader culture, if it's in the context of a Judeo-Christian ethic where you have the Ten Commandments, then you have the summary of those ten by Jesus, who says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself, and in these you fulfilled all the commandments. If you are exercising tolerance within that, within those boundaries, then yes, it can be of use, because you're not going to be aggressive, mean-spirited. It, tolerance used to mean that. You're not going to be mean-spirited or rude. Even those people that are dumb and stupid and and you disagree with, you're going to be tolerant of them and basically live and let live because you've got broader parameters in culture that keep us free and uh, protect us from the, the, the foolishness of those people that we chose to tolerate. But because we no longer have a Judeo-Christian ethic or the boundaries of freedom set up around us, as G.K. Chesterton defined them, now tolerance is the only fence left to protect us from someone else. You don't have the superior virtue of love the only fence left in our culture is tolerance, and it cannot be the summum bonum. It cannot be the highest good, because tolerance moves. It moves with political fads. 
And what we tolerated yesterday is intolerable today. And now it just becomes defined by power. Whoever gains the, pul- the bully pulpit and the political platform can crush everyone else because they're not going to tolerate those who disagree, like Ben Shapiro, or like you, or like me, or Tucker Carlson. That's where tolerance leads. It leads to crushing the dissenting voice because there's no greater virtue above it to control it. Dr. Piper, let's proceed. Thank you for that great explanation, by the way. Let's proceed uh, to one of the most fundamental threats, I think, to our families, to our culture, to our civilization, and that is, of course, this ongoing transgender movement. Some people call us alarmists by saying that we think that they are coming for our children when all they want is the right to be left alone. Um Few stories and developments um, counter that better than this one does. From Minnesota, which is quickly becoming California, north. Um, And in fact, they may be already on that same level. A group of Democrat legislators in Minnesota, led by the state's first trans lawmaker, introduced a bill that would remove language in Minnesota's Human Rights Act that explicitly says pedophilia is not a sexual orientation, as defined by a state statute. By removing that language, the pull, the, the uh, bill would have opened the door to widening the definition of sexual orientation to include pedophilia as a protected class alongside other minorities. So, if you like the idea of molesting children, it's just your identity. It's just your identity. It's just your orientation. It's no different than being gay or being bi or being anything else except for the fact, of course, of those victims that are the little kids. Dr. Piper, um, first, the response to Minnesota. Second, to the larger question here, or maybe it's the larger answer, which we now have. Uh, are they really, truly trying to uh, make children more tolerant, going back to your column, or are they trying to bring children into um, their own sexual deviance? Well, they're doing both. Their definition of tolerance, again, is evil. They want children to be so confused that they will tolerate the aggression, the praying, the grooming of an adult male who wants to use them for sexual gratification. They want the children to tolerate that. They want to teach the kids that that particular relationship is not bad. And if they object to it as children, as let's say a 12-year-old who doesn't want some 35-year-old guy using her or him for sexual gratification, the the intolerant one in that scenario is now the child. That's what they want. And I want to say this. Ten years ago, and I don't, I don't know how long I've been on your show, but, but ten years ago, uh, I've had people come to me and say, ten years ago when you were warning of this, when you were saying, look, we're opening up Pandora's box. Once you get into this identity politics, you break down the definition of marriage, you break down the definition of the male, you break down the definition of the female, you break down the definition of the distinction between adults and children. It's, it's all hell breaks loose. You've opened up Pandora's box. There will be no restrictions whatsoever when it comes to consensual sex. And as long as an adult can get a child to consent to the sexual act, then all is going to be well. There will be no boundaries. Everybody said, you're nuts, Piper. That'll never happen. Well, right? here we are. Like I there's, said on there's your that show book. a few weeks ago. There's your next yeah, book, which we've discussed. That, our series. You know, that, that'll never happen. We are here. They are now telling us, that a 12-year-old or even younger can consent to surgery to alter their sex. Remove your breasts, remove your genitals, get castrated, because as a 12-year-old, you are now what? Adult enough to make that decision. Well, Bob, here's the rhetorical question. 
If that 12-year-old can make the decision for trans surgery or trans therapies, then surely that same 12-year-old is adult enough to consent to other, well, less significant sexual decisions, such as just intercourse with whomever they want to have intercourse with. There's no distinction between the adult and the minor any longer. And even as I said on your show last week, the United Nations has come out and blurred the boundaries by eliminating 18 as the age of consent. And they didn't even redefine it. They didn't say, we're going to make it 17 or 16. They just left the, com- they left the conversation completely open. There's no boundary any longer. They're telling us they're coming for our children. And they're showing it in the parties they have in the parks at Bartlesville, Oklahoma, drag queen performances in the parks where five-year-olds are there being taught how to give dollar bills to adult men who are in drag performing a uh, cabaret-style, purient sexual uh, dance, and you're teaching five-year-olds to do this? This is There's no disputing it that no. they are coming for our children. There is no such thing as a child any longer. They don't care. There's no definition. And when it comes to that bill in Minnesota, it literally both normalizes and legalizes nothing short of child rape. That's what it does. It normalizes pedophilia. It legalizes pedophilia. And uh, as you say, uh, it, it, it enables uh, children to give consent. It is child rape, and that's what they are doing. Uh, Dr. Piper, we'll take a time out here. We're going to come back. You just talked about some bad things in Oklahoma. I'm going to talk about something good uh, that the governor signed in your state. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about erasing men. We've talked about eliminating women as a category, women as a being. But what about men in this trans movement? Are they still what they were? We'll talk about that next. AM 1420, The Answer. Continuing now with Dr. Everett Piper on AM 1420, The Answer. Dr. Piper is in Oklahoma. That's where Governor Kevin Stitt became the latest red state governor to do something very, very important, and that is protect children. Uh, The governor signed SB 613 into law on uh, Monday, making it a felony for any health care worker to provide children under the age of 18 any gender surgery or puberty-blocking drugs or hormone doses that suppress or delay normal puberty. It can also it also bans, rather, the use of any medications or surgical procedures for the purpose of gender transition. Anything under 18, a medical provider who does those things is committing a felony. Dr. Piper, this is good news. It is good news, and it should not even be a question. It shouldn't be controversial at all. I mean, you have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. essentially saying the same thing on the campaign trail right now. Bill Maher, whom I disagree with on a lot of things, and I assume you do too, is saying the same thing right now. He's challenging this nonsense. Elon Musk, who I don't think is the icon of conservatism, is saying the same thing right now. You have people that are... Martina Navratilova, an open lesbian, is saying the same thing. You have multiple people... Riley Gaines, I don't know what her spiritual convictions are. I don't know if she's politically conservative or progressive, but she's saying the same thing right now. Everybody is saying, look, leave kids alone. Leave them alone. If you as an adult want to do foolish things, I'll tolerate that, because as Thomas Jefferson said, if it doesn't break my leg or pick my pocket, what do I care? But tolerance used to mean just that and not acceptance, not promotion, not affirmation. Tolerance and acceptance would have been somewhat different. Now it's the same. If I don't accept you, affirm you, then I'm being intolerant. 
And what Governor Stitt is doing, saying, look, adults can act like adults, meaning you have the right and the freedom and the liberty to do wise things and foolish things as long as you don't harm someone else. Go ahead. Have at it. If you get your kicks out of dressing up like a lady, then go ahead. Do it behind closed doors at a bar or a club. We'll tolerate that, but leave our kids alone. And surely you should make it illegal to irreparably, and I use that word and it needs to be repeated, irreparably maim a child because of your adult, quote-unquote, foolish agenda of pretending to be something you're not. You can't cut off a kid's penis and and, and testicles and claim that this is a good thing for a 12-year-old because you confused him in your schools and with your political agenda. You brainwash the kid, then you mutilate the kid, and then you celebrate that as tolerance? That's asinine. That's foolish. It's evil. And Governor Stitt has done exactly what he should do, and that is no, not in our state. Well, you were spot on in your first response there when you said this shouldn't even be controversial, yet... Only 16 states now have enacted laws restricting or banning gender surgery on minors. This experimental procedures, uh, only 16 out of 50, and I'm sad to say that Ohio is not yet one of them. And that's because we have weak, weak, weak Republican leadership in the Ohio State House. Uh, Dr. Piper, I want to wrap. <clears throat> And give the, the the last three minutes to this. Last week, you and I spoke, uh, and you speak all the time about you know canceling women, erasing women, eliminating women as a as a thing, as a being, as a class, uh, because anybody who says they're a woman can just be a woman. And I said, let's talk about the other side. Let's talk about the elimination of men as well. Because men are being erased just as much as women are by this trans movement. Women who want to transition to men, and particularly those who um, go on to say, now I want to have a baby. And then they claim, I'm a man and I can get pregnant, therefore all of the science and biology we've been taught is false. So they're bearded, hairy-looking beings with great big baby bumps. Uh, and And those who don't do that are just bringing with them their feminine side, and they become very effeminate. So what I guess I'm asking you is how much in danger are we as men or as a class, as a sex, are we in danger of losing that which makes manhood manhood by the, by the, by the trans movement, bringing all of this femininity to the male of the species. And some of those actually wanting to continue with their female reproductive systems while they masquerade as men. Well, it's, um, you know, when we get into this issue of, masculinity and femininity. I, I agree with you. And, and let me just be clear here very quickly. When I continue to harp on the issue of women, and I beat that drum repeatedly, that we're losing the definition of women, that you can't be a feminist unless you argue for the female and agree that a female is real. I do that because I think that's the winning debate in our culture right now, because nobody wants to be a misogynist. No one, nobody wants to be uh, anti-female. Politically, it's a winning strategy if we reclaim the high ground of women and define it properly. But you're absolutely right. C.S. Lewis warned in his book, Abolition of Man, that when you remove the organ and and demand the function, let me repeat that, when you remove the organ and yet demand the function, we've gelded the stallion and bid him be fruitful. Well, that's exactly what we've done. We've abolished masculinity. We've abolished men, the abolition of man, by removing the organ, chivalry, courage, 
masculinity. We've defined it all as toxic, and we've performed this cultural castration of masculinity by making men feel guilty for being what they were created to be. And what do we have? A bunch of femininity rather than masculinity running rampant in culture. I, I almost feel like this is the intent of that part of the trans movement because the same people who push and promote the trans movement and that agenda are the ones who demonize the patriarchy and demonize what they call toxic masculinity. What better way to kind of, uh, you know, thin that out a little bit is to insert femininity among the male population by way of these fake males, uh, bringing with them their feminine man- mannerisms and everything else. But if toxic masculinity is what's harming this country in their mind, well, then we just need to infiltrate it with some feminine, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, mannerisms, I guess, among males. Yeah, spot on. You're spot on. I know we're out of time, but you're spot on. Yeah, I wish I had more time because I want to talk more about this. And, in fact, we may just have to devote an entire half hour to this, Dr. Piper, because this is this is very, very important, what this is doing to the males of the species and to the females of our species. Dr. Everett Piper, terrific uh, conversation as always, sir. Thank you very much for your time. I hope you feel better soon. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Blessings. Bye-bye. Blessings to you as well. 1031, we went to the news, and that's okay. We'll come back after this on Always Right Radio. you reason in the age of unreason always right radio with bob france and the answer so just to briefly follow up on part of the the last part of the conversation i had with dr piper um the erasure and the elimination of women from existence is well documented. Dr. Piper's right. Of course, many people are following this and documenting it and discussing it and expressing it and explaining it and so forth. Exposing it, I guess, maybe is an even better word. Um, anybody who says they're a woman has to be believed. Trans women are real women, they say. And real women are just whatever somebody decides they want to be. Matt Walsh made an entire movie about what is a woman. The left will not define it by what a woman really is, an adult human female that is typically capable of bearing children or becoming pregnant. That is just very specific and very, very simple. They won't do that. But So while women are being erased and canceled, their sports are being taken away from them, their private spaces are being taken away from them, that which makes them uniquely women and being able to give birth um, is being taken away from them. I talked to Dr. Piper about, what about the other side? And the reality of the situation is that among the largest groups or demographics of people who are uh, joining up and, and participating in the experiment called transgenderism, used to be called transsexualism, but the largest group or among the largest groups are teenage girls not just the little femme boys who decide that I want to be a girl like Dylan Mulvaney. No, 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 no. It's teenage girls. Teenage girls are, are moving over to becoming males at an, at an astounding rate, proving that this is indeed a social contagion. And while we are concerned about the girls, rightfully so, um, why is no one concerned about what it's doing to males? Why is no one concerned about what uh, it's doing to masculinity? The overwhelming 
trend of of teenage girls deciding they want to be males um, is is feminizing manhood, and especially when they come over and 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 they start taking testosterone and they start growing facial hair, they start losing hair on top of their head, which is a common male trait. Uh, and their their you know their bone density changes and all the other things that go along with this long term testosterone treatment and then they decide they want to be well what they say dads but what of course we know them as being moms because they're biological females and they want to have babies and then we see these photographs of two men standing you know proudly posing for pictures with their hands on uh or actually a man and a woman but the way it appears is because because of the male features and the beards and so forth with their hands on on the the pregnant belly of the female who is pretending to be male um it's it's almost erasing what men are and and I believe what I said to Dr. Piper one of the reasons they want to erase what men have come to be known throughout history as is because they believe that men are toxic that masculinity that the toxic masculinity that is required whenever there is danger the toxic masculinity that is required whenever there, it is time to build something the toxic masculinity that is required when it is time to to uh, construct the toxic masculinity that is required of of all men in situations where peril is is evident and we cannot allow women the females of our species to be in peril it's why we will be the last ones out of the burning building it's why we will be uh uh you know the last ones into the lifeboat as the boat is the ship is sinking we will not allow women to be in peril men men's masculinity is celebrated whenever it is useful to women and the feminists who say that that masculinity is toxic are doing everything that they can, and this is what the trans movement is doing, to, to kind of feminize, if you will, manhood. And so this movement of young teenage girls over, like I said, it's, it's tragic for them that they are being pulled in by, and like I said, the overwhelming number of people who are in this trans movement are not actually gender dysphoric. They don't have the actual psychological condition, the, the, the mental psychological personality disorder, however you want to phrase that, called gender dysphoria. The overwhelming number of them are victims of social contagion. They're being urged online. They're being urged by some adults in their lives. They're being urged by one another through peer pressure to all transition together. It's tragic for them, but it is equally tragic for manhood. We're always talking about how women are getting wiped out by the trans movement, but men and masculinity are as well. I'm going to play this for you. And if you're on hold, I, we're guests for you the rest of the way. So there's no more interruptions. I'll take your calls at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. But I want to play this three-minute clip of an interview, or not an interview, rather, a speech uh, given by Abigail Schreier at Hillsdale College. Um, this was just about a month ago, uh, maybe a little less. But Abigail Schreier was brought to Hillsdale College to talk about this trans movement and, and the danger uh, that it poses for kids, the danger that it poses for females, and yes, the danger that it poses for males, as I just described. But this, this, this I think, will be very eye-opening for a lot of people who still might not understand what's going on here. 
100-year history uh, of diagnosing gender dysphoria, these little kids were what we were talking about when we, when we talked about gender dysphoria. But in the last decade, that thanks in large part to social media, there's been another population that claims to have gender dysphoria. This is a population that never before had gender dysphoria in any significant numbers. In fact, before 2007, there was no extant scientific literature on their having gender dysphoria at all. Teenage girls. This is the phenomenon Brown University public health researcher Dr. Lisa Littman called rapid onset gender dysphoria. <laughs> and it's and it refers to a sudden spike in transgender identification among teen girls with no childhood history of gender dysphoria at all. Not only have the rates of these girls claiming trans identification risen dramatically in the U.S. and all across the West, over 4,400% rise in teen girls presenting for gender treatment at the U.K.'s National Gender Clinic, for instance, but teenage girls are now the leading demographic of those claiming to have gender dysphoria. What's going on? The answer is social contagion. One more instance of teen girls sharing and spreading their pain. There's a long history of peer contagion with this demographic, of course. We know that anorexia and bulimia spread this way. And we know that this demographic, teen girls, is in the midst of the worst mental health crisis on record, with the highest rates of anxiety, self-harm, and clinical depression we've ever seen. We know that this pop the population who tends to fall into social contagions is the same high anxiety, depressive group of girls who struggle socially in adolescence and tend to hate their bodies. Add to that a school environment where you can achieve immediate valorization and popularity by declaring a trans identity, and of course, the delicious temptation to stick it to mom. <laughs> Add further the great many trans social media influencers who can't wait to convince troubled teen girls that identifying as trans and starting a course of testosterone will cure all of their problems. And you have a very fast-spreading social phenomenon. I've spoken to families at top girls' schools that will attest that 15 or 20 percent, or in some one case 30 percent, of the girls in their daughter's seventh grade class now identify as trans. When you see that, you're witnessing a social contagion in action. There is no other reasonable explanation. I watched um, Abigail Schreier's full hour-long speech at Hillsdale, and um, it's filled with information. It's, it's. I would highly recommend that you seek it out. Just search for it um, on, on a number of places. I think YouTube has it. Hillsdale's YouTube account has it. And um, what she says there is just it's indisputable. It is irrefutable. These are facts. When thirty percent of a seventh-grade class, thirty percent of the girls declare that they're trans what other conclusion can you draw it is clearly not personality disorder it is clearly not a psychological condition that afflicts very 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 few people less than one half of one percent 
It's clearly not 30% of these students in this class just have this psychological affliction. It's clear that it's a social contagion, that they are following one another's leads. You're trans, me too. You're going to get the, uh, the testosterone, the hormone replacement, me too. What, what are you guys talking about over there? We're going to be trans now. You know what? So cool. I'm trans too. And when they get the pats on the back and the hugs that say, oh, my God, you're so brave. You're so brave for coming out and telling everybody this and living your truth. Let me see a hero. That's like a that's like an addictive drug to young, confused teenage kids. And in this particular case, girls. They love that affirmation. And so they all join in the party and say, Yeah, we're all trans. And the problem then becomes what? The problem becomes no adults are allowed to step in and say, knock that crap off. You guys are playing a very dangerous game here, and we're not going to let you do it. No, I'm not signing off on you going to the doctor to get trans medicine. No, we're not going to be scheduling surgeries to, to lop off your healthy breasts. The adults in their lives aren't there to do that. Why? Because then the adults are the ones who were attacked as transphobic. And the adults are the ones who are considered to be bigoted. And they're harming their kids. And they're driving the trans genocide. That's right. That's what the left and the tra- those behind this trans movement are saying. Is that if you don't affirm your child's transitioning, they're going to kill themselves. And it's going to be on your hands. This, this massive suicide rate among trans people who aren't affirmed by their parents or their loved ones. And parents and their, lo- and, and, and others, adults in their lives are roped into it and they say, okay. And then what happens? Then they permanently disfigure their body. They become sterilized. And then when they become adults in their early twenties, they look at themselves and they wonder, what in the hell did I do? And why didn't somebody stop me? Why didn't somebody stand up and tell me that what I was doing was wrong and that it was a mistake? Mom and Dad, where were you? And it's only after they realize that they are now lifelong medical experiments who are going to need continuous medical care for the rest of their lives, for their non-functioning new genitalia, and their non-function... I mean, their entire bodies, their minds, are so incredibly mutilated. That is when the real threat of suicide kicks in. So I just needed to follow up on what Dr. Piper and I were talking about. Yes, it is an overwhelming number of, as Abigail Schreier, who is an expert on this, who has researched this and written books about this, points out, it's not just you know, the, 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 the teenage girls being the overwhelming number of the transitioners now. It's not just they and them that, that are the victims. The victims are also all men, all men who are watching manhood disappear in a sea of fake testosterone uh, and the elimination of estrogen from the life cycle. I'll be right back.
so as we continue this discussion of what is being done to our kids and the poisoning of the minds of our teenagers and so forth, um, it ties back into what I let off with the sh- on the show this morning, and that is the, uh, the, the fact that our schools are in, in, in a crisis situation. Uh, it's an emergency situation. And I've told you I have dozens of examples. Here's just one of them, and it's a brand new one, literally just this morning. A school district's LGBTQ coordinator, and I could stop right there and say it's automatic. There, there's, a, there's evidence of the fact that our schools are in crisis. Education in America is 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 in crisis. The fact that something exists called the school district's LGBTQ coordinator. What in the flying hell is that for? Why is there an LGBTQ coordinator? But the rest of the headline makes it even worse. School district's LGBTQ coordinator trained the school nurses to hide the students' gender transition. An LGBTQ coordinator for a, Chicago, for a Colorado school district trained nurses to keep this secret from the parents. April 27th of last year, 2022. Pudre, I don't know how to pronounce P-O-U-D-R-E. Hudre, Powdre, whatever. School District LGBTQ coordinator Shana Sychek gave a presentation obtained by the Daily Caller titled LGBTQIAXYZ blah 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 considerations for PSD school nurses that taught the school's medical professionals different gender transitioning vocabulary such as puberty blocking medicines, hormone therapy, top surgery, and chest binder. When working with students, the training advised the school nurses to ask students what name and pronouns to use when calling home to ensure kids aren't outed as transitioning to their parents putting them in a potentially unsafe situation. If that doesn't scream crisis, nothing does. The government schools believe that they are the safe space for a kid, not with the parents that are raising them. The parents would be the potentially unsafe option, according to what these... um, School coordinators are saying, and whether the nurses go along with this or agree with this, I do not know, but I will tell you this, that it's becoming more and more common, and because of that, it's becoming more and more, uh, there's more and more pushback. Lawsuits are being filed, thank God, in heaven above. Some California teachers have sued their school district over the policy of hiding children's gender transition from parents. That's in California, shockingly. Federal lawsuit there, filed by attorneys from the Thomas More Society, alleging that administrators at the Escondido Union School District and California State Board of Education violated the First Amendment with a policy that would compel teachers to aid in a student's transgender social trans- transition. The litigation was prompted by the district's implementation of a new ser- a series of policies on the treatment that were kept from the parents. Teachers stepped up finally and said, we can't do this. This isn't our role. This is between a kid and his parents. 
That's a stunning development. And you know, given the left-wing teachers' unions that run these, you know, run these schools oftentimes, or in collaboration or collusion with the left-wing school boards, to have some teachers rise up and say, no, I'm here to teach algebra, not transgenderism. I'm here to teach literature, not how a kid can change his sex and not tell his parents about it. That'll be the day. That would be the day if I was still teaching, and I taught from 1990 to 1996. If I was still teaching today, can can you imagine the parent-teacher conference? How's Joey doing on his on his uh, mechanics of language? I was a middle school English teacher. How's Joey doing on his conjugation of verbs? Oh, he's doing just fine. He's he's really really understands this stuff well. And oh, by the way, I won't tell you about how he goes into the girls' restrooms and puts on makeup during the day and wants me to call him Sally. And wants me to use pronouns that don't exist to refer to him. No, we'll just talk. Are you kidding? How can any teacher who cares about kids keep information like that from parents? It's 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 a madhouse. I feel like Charlton Heston in Planet of the Apes. It's a madhouse. That's what government schools have become. All right, I do see you on hold, and I apologize. I've got just so much that I want to share and say, but I do want to listen to you, too. So we'll open up the next hour with your phone calls, 216-901-0945, Stay there. If you're on hold, stay there. If you're not on hold, get there. We're coming to you next on AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three is underway on AM 1420, The Answer. I mean, this stuff is heavy. I get it. I really do. Uh, And uh, I, I cannot not give it its due attention. Our kids are so extraordinarily warped right now and I'm talking about generation Z that is facing this stuff from K pre-K through university level it's just that bad and you know it's bad when left-wing teachers are rebelling against all of this and and when I say left-wing teachers they may not be left-wing themselves but the left-wing teachers organizations you know are very very uniform almost you know unanimously in agreement with the approach 
But when teachers are pushing back, I mean, that says something. Most of them, even if they're not part of that in agreement with the approach, they stay silent because they don't want to be ostracized from their colleagues. They don't want to be booted from the education association, if you will. But that's really legitimately what is happening here. One Kansas teacher recently ripped their school district uh, for mandatory diversity training amid a teacher shortage and challenges to recruit talent. Sadrin Sullivan, an English teacher at the Shawnee Mission School District in Kansas for 15 years, said, I can no longer stay silent about the state of our schools. I'll be attacked and threatened, but for the good of our district and our students, I must speak out. This is too important. She blasted the school district for repeated white shaming and woke ideology, alleging that the district requires employees to attend DIE training and workshops that are centered around critical race theory and invoking social justice causes to decolonize the classroom. There's repeated white shaming and a preoccupation with white people as the oppressor, including staff field trips with a focus on systemic racism. The white saviorism and virtue signaling at the DIE meetings is so condescending that many minorities and other staff members have stopped attending. Our district is no longer academically focused. We are doing our students a disservice by allowing biased curricula to take over. If parents knew what goes on in our schools, the majority would be appalled, end quote. So when teachers are pushing back, like I said, and we lawsuits are being filed, I'm glad to learn of the pushback. I'm sad to know that the problem has gotten so bad that it requires these types of of, uh, responses and this type of pushback. One of the more egregious ones, Thomas Jefferson University, now this is at the university level, Chief Executive Joseph Caccioni condemned Mark Takasinski the president of the private research school in Philadelphia, for going on Twitter and tweeting, quote, controversial statements, such as things like gender transition surgeries are tantamount to child mutilation. Well, (laughs) of course they are. You're cutting people's genitals off, cutting off their breasts, cutting forearm flesh from their bodies in order to fashion makeshift pretend uh, penises. I mean, these things are, of course it's, how is it not gender mutilation? But a teacher, a a professor rather, tweeted about this, and he uh, is being, he's, he's in serious trouble with the university. In fact, they have threatened him so much so with punitive sanctions that he had to issue the apology to the left wing rage mob saying that he had unintentionally offended many through his use of social media and that this will be a learning experience. I will grow as a person and professional from this misstep. His missteps, saying that gender transition surgeries are child mutilation, um, liking a tweet from Donald Trump Jr. expressing support for Chloe Cole, who is a detransitioner, and also liking a tweet from Alex Berenson, who called the mRNA vaccines overhyped, rushed, profit-driven, big pharma flops. Those things are true. He just clicked like on them, and now he's in danger of losing his job. That's why he's apologizing and trying to save himself. It's it's unbelievable. When I say our education system is in a crisis mode, I am not kidding from pre-K through university. Wally is calling us from Brooklyn Heights. Wally, thank you for your patience. I know you've been there a while. I've got a lot to say today, so thanks for hanging in. Go ahead, sir. 
Hey, Bob. Oh, um, ma'am, I'm sorry, yeah, Wally. I, I should have known. I said sir because I, I pre, oh, I pre, no, no. I pre-gendered you hey, listen, by the name Wally. With all this transgender <laughs> stuff going on, believe me, when I call certain places and I say this is Wally, they always go, oh, oh, uh, because they're afraid. <laughs> they're afraid. They're afraid to call me a, a woman or a man because they don't know, you know. Before oh. people could tell by my voice, yes, she's a woman, you know. But well, now they, they, everything's like, yeah. But anyways, I feel like we're in Sodom and Gomorrah. Really, these are the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, women sleeping with women, men sleeping with men. God gave them over. It says God gives them over to retrobate minds when they continue in this type of lifestyle. You know, AIDS didn't come out of nowhere. AIDS came because of a sinful lifestyle. And this is continuing on with this transgender movie movement. Not bad enough we had the LGBTQ, but now we have transgender my daughter is a teacher, and she teaches art. But, you know, I, I tell her, please, be aware of what's going on in the classrooms, in the other classrooms. Why are our students not getting good grades in the basic subjects? It's because everything is talked about with this transgender movement. That's right. And my, my uh, youngest, uh, my oldest grandchild that is just turned 10, one of her friends, was talking to a group of girls, I guess, and they had been talking about this transgender movement. The young girl came home to her mother and said, Mom, I kind of feel like I might be a guy. And the mother said, Hello. She said, Look at your body. Are you a guy or a girl? And she was, I'm a girl. She was, There you go. You know? And, and that's what people, parents need to talk to their children. They need to be aware of what's going on in the schools. And get involved because really, this movement is scary, and it's confusing children, and they're confusing the children, especially at the right age, the 12, just as they go into puberty. That's the ones they want to reach because their minds are still very confused as to what's going on with their bodies, and this is what they want to do. They want to impute this lovely transgender movement. Uh, into their minds. No, you're you're 100% right. And the, and thank you Wally for the call and thanks for the chuckle too with the, with your name and some of the responses you get. No, it, you're you're exactly right. Um and the reality is um there is the waistband test that I I have always found to be foolproof. Uh, I mean seriously. If a kid comes to a parent and says I'm not sure if I'm a boy or a girl, the waistband test is is it's 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 a failsafe. I mean, it's it literally has never failed, and it and it's and it's not complicated. You tell your kid to look down, grab the waistband of their underwear, pull it away from your body, and look down and see what you see. You'll know right then and there whether you're a boy or a girl. It's never a failure. It has never ever failed. Now. If there is some sort of psychological disorder that is present in this particular situation, which in 99.5% of the cases there will not be, then you can treat that psychological condition with psychological therapy. You don't treat the psychological confusion by cutting what you see inside of that, under that waistband, off, or creating a fake one and stitching it on. You know, I, I heard somebody say, I wish I could remember who, so I, can, I, was, I like to give attribution when I can to things that I hear that are profound. 
and I'm not 100% sure who said this, but somebody somebody was talking about whether or not you have to um, you know, really be in a, in, a, in a psychological state of emergency to want to transition. That how do you know there's I have a psychological issue? Maybe this is just real. This is just my personality, and it's just my, I know that in my heart and my soul that I'm in the wrong body. Why are you telling me that I have this psychological condition? Why, do you tell, why are you telling me I'm in a psychological crisis? And the way the person phrased it was, was very, very good, and I can't give it its due uh, attention now because it took a little while. But the, the crux of it was, look down at your penis And ask yourself, do I hate myself so much that I want to cut that off and then stitch together some other flesh from other parts of my body to fashion a fake vagina? And if I hate my body so much that I'm willing to do that, I'm willing to surgically mutilate myself, Ask yourself if that if that means you are in a in a good mental and psychological place. There is no way to look at yourself and say, I want to carve myself up and have doctors experiment with trying to create something new. There is no way to do that and not be in a state of psychological emergency. That's just it's, like I said, I'm not doing the quote justice. The person who did the uh, explanation was much more in-depth. It was about five, six, seven, eight minutes long. I'm going to give you the one-minute version of it, but there it is. If you seriously want to surgically, physically mutilate yourself, you are not in the right frame of mind. And the best example, as I've said, Abigail Schreier referred to it in the piece that I played for you earlier from her speech at Hillsdale, and it's true. Young women, teenage girls... Um, have shared anorexia and bulimia with one another. Spread it socially. It's not an obviously an actual condition you can spread, um, you know, in terms of uh, contagion, but it's a social contagion. One girl thinks she's fat and she's not. She's bone thin. Another girl says, I've got a diet too. They both start purging together. They binge. They eat and then they purge, you know, uh, they, 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 they throw up their, their food because they're convinced that they're fat. That's a psychological condition. And no one has ever taken somebody with a psychological condition of anorexia or bulimia and said, we're going to surgically, physically mutilate you to deal with that. No one has ever performed liposuction on a skinny person with anorexia or bulimia. That would be malpractice. The person's mind is obviously at odds with the body. The mind says, I'm fat. The body is not fat. You don't treat the body then you treat the mind, such as with confused transgender people. Will is uh, calling us from Houston, Texas. Will, how are you, my friend? Good morning, my friend. I'm doing doing pretty good, man. I, I have I have three quick three quick points I, I want to make. Um, have you heard of this this phenomenon called transabled? Have you yes. seen Have you been seeing? Yes, sports? I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. So transabled is basically when someone identifies as being disabled and they want to cut off a perfectly good leg, arm, eye, whatever, to be um, disabled. 
there, there yeah. was there was there was one of these people on uh, a Dr. Phil show that I saw a clip of who literally had herself blinded because she was convinced she was supposed to have been born blind. Right. And there was a doctor on that show who was just appalled and aghast that anyone would have helped her achieve that. You literally have taken a, two perfectly well, healthy, functioning organs known as your eyes and, 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 and destroyed them. Right. And, and this doctor was just, just, just apoplectic about it, but this person was convinced, no, I know I'm supposed to have been blind. I was blind in my mind, and so therefore I had to make that happen. Same right. thing with the, with the transgender uh, uh, and transsexualism, but go ahead. So no, no, that's my point. I, I don't see, the, I don't see the, the difference whatsoever from cutting off a perfectly good arm or leg or eyes to cutting off your, your perfectly functioning uh, uh, sexual body part because mm-hmm. you, you want to feel better. It's the same thing. It's the same mental illness, but unfortunately, one is being normalized, and the other is looked at as, oh, my God, I can't believe it. It's literally the same thing. Well, 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 here's here's just to take that a step further, um, and I I saw this somewhere, too, and I don't remember the specifics of it, but there was a person who did exactly what I just told you who was also a male. This was a male who believed that he should be and identified with as a blind female. So he had himself blinded surgically and transitioned to a female. In the mind of the modern leftist, only one of those two things is bad. It, it, they're, they're identical, but, but it's the idea, the idea that you would blind yourself, people are aghast at, but the idea that you would cut off your junk and become a female or try to become a female is okay. How, how do you not look at both of those situations and say the same thing? It's, Mental it's, disorders. Absolutely, man, absolutely. And then to take it another step further, I've, I've, I, have, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but now there, there's, doctors or, there's doctors that's basically saying you don't have to be on any hormones any hormones, surgery, or anything. You don't have to have anything to be considered trans as long as you identify as trans. I, yeah, I, you just say so. As long as you say so. You don't have to wear the wigs anymore. You don't have to wear no. the dresses. You don't have to wear makeup. You don't have to actually get on the blockers or any of the drugs. You can just say, I'm trans, and that is enough. And if people don't believe you, well, then they're the bigots. That You're I, right. That's what I, they're saying. I, I've, I've, sent you, I've sent you a couple of those on, on Twitter couple of those stories and when i saw it i'm like well well hell well then what's the purpose what's the purpose of quote-unquote transitioning what's the purpose of doing any of this stuff if a hairy 240 pound black man with a beard like myself can wake up tomorrow and say you know i'm a woman and and, and if that's okay then it's it's like it's like Bob. They're, they're making up the rules as they go along. Of you know? course they are, because there there are no rules. And, <laughs> you and, know? And, and and by the way, not only could you declare yourself a woman, you would thus, according to the uh, the rules that they're creating. Um, you would be able to join the women's sports team. You would be able to use the women's locker room. You would be able to go into a YWCA. A big, hairy, 240-pound black man like yourself could walk into a YWCA, into the locker room, and get in the shower with a bunch of women, and nobody could say a word. Last thing, Bob, last thing, man. I, I, I hope at some point in time, I don't know if, if, you, if you're going to do it, but I, I, I hope at some point in time you invite invite somebody on who believes this, insane buffoonery to try to defend this stuff to try to defend explain to me how why uh, uh it's not necessary to have surgery or hormones uh uh to be trans explain to me yeah. why uh, uh um uh how 
being transabled is any different from a perfectly uh, functioning breast or, or, no. or, or sexual organs being being cut off. Explain to me how this is any different. You know, yeah, I, these people won't these people won't engage though in debate. They get on TikTok and they get on Twitter and they film themselves and their little phones and they and they give all of their messages that way. They don't have to answer questions that way. I they know. don't have to. They don't <laughs> have to justify. But but I'm with you. And if you have any contact info with any of these freak shows that want to have the debate, you send me their contact info. Hey, man, I'll them on, brother. Thank you, Will. God bless right. you, man. Appreciate you. It's 11:29. We'll take a time out and come right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. 11.38, let's go right back to it. Christian is calling us from Willoughby on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Christian. Fire away. Yes, good morning, Bob. Um, so the reason, you know, it doesn't make sense to us. None of this does. But it does to Marxists like Bill Gates who are anti-population and you figure everything ties together here. You've got the transgenders, the LGBTQ, the abortion, euthanasia, and they're all funded by these Democrat Marxists. And the goal is to depopulate the country. I've, I've got a list that's about a mile long. Once I started looking at this, I couldn't believe that there's, there's a major connection here. So all of this stuff to try to teach the kids to not be, you know, in a productive role in the future as they grow up. Does this not make sense to you? It does, uh, I, and I think you're right. I think there is a common thread among a lot of this, and I think most of it is indeed, as you point out, Marxist. It is indeed an attempt mm-hmm. to take this Western civilization apart and to, again, I hate to repeat this over and over again, but to fundamentally transform America, which was exactly what the Obama administration's stated goal right. was when he ran. And 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 yeah. how do you how do you deconstruct the, a country? You deconstruct it starting at the family level. You deconstruct okay. it starting at the foundational level which is the family the nuclear family and of course you go after the kids because this is a long game and you you start by indoctrinating the children from before they even get to uh, to kindergarten you work your way through all of that through the university level and they grow up as good little indoctrinated marxists uh who want nothing to do with their families nothing to do with the family values the uh faith and the principles that their 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 parents tried to instill in them that's what this is all about exactly. yes they tie together right, 100% right. and even even as far as the economy goes now okay they're hurting the economy i think intentionally and this would affect those out there who are, you know, at the age where they would like to have children, and it makes them makes it so much harder for them. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Totally, I agree with you 100. So, Christian, thank you for the it, call. It, I, I'm sorry, I apologize. I want to get some other people in before the end of the show. But uh, great points all the way around. Um, Navy Man Norm is next. Hi, Norm. Go ahead, sir. I um, I don't know how to say it. The first time I put on the uniform of the United States Navy was the proudest day of my life. Today, it's the saddest and the sickest day of my life when I read about this drag queen, Harpy Daniels, Secretary of Defense Austin and Secretary of the Navy Del Toro, defending this depraved, deranged drag queen and the putting up of the LGBTQ flags on the side of Navy ships to celebrate their freaking depravity. 
Bob, I, I've never been. Uh, let me let me just say this: any sailor worth his salt who didn't rip that piece of rag, that filthy, depraved LGBTQ flag down off the side of the bulkhead of a Navy ship is a coward. Just like the chief of naval operations, the joint chiefs of staffs are all cowards because for them to do this, to put a drag queen as a recruiter, is not only despicable, but they talk about core values. The core values of the United States Navy used to be honor, courage, and commitment. Today, there are depravity and insanity. That's it. I mean, uh, Harpy Daniels, his drag queen, is bragging. We've won. Yeah, yeah, we've they won. used they for those who don't know what Norm is talking about. If you missed the story a couple of days ago, we talked about this that the uh, United States Navy has enlisted the help of a drag queen to recruit new Navy personnel because recruiting is so low. They figure they got to reach out to people who are more than just you know masculine, uh, uh, strong defenders of a nation or, or future defenders defenders of a nation. Recruiting is so poor that they are now trying to reach different different types of people, including, yes, those who would be influenced by a drag queen to come and enlist in the Navy. And, and, and uh, you know, Norm, I'm not surprised at how you feel. I've talked to other Navy veterans since that whole thing came down, and everyone is livid. But this is the state of the American military right now. Yeah, well, it's uh, Sodom and Gomorrah's Navy, as far as I'm concerned. There are no core values. You know, people say, well, they've lost their moral compass. Did they ever, ever have a moral compass, Bob? No, I don't think so. No, they didn't. I don't no. think so. If you resort to this, and this is what you want to be representative of your Navy, uh, you know, one of the one of the most important elements of an entire nation's defense. If this is what you believe is is right to represent you, then you're right. You never had a moral compass to begin with. Norm, thank you, you, my friend. I appreciate your passion, and I feel bad for those of you who are so proud to wear, uh, you know, uh, the status of Navy veteran. Uh, I know, I know you're angry. Um, Joanne in uh, Twinsburg. Hi, Joanne. Go ahead. It's not Joanne, it's Steve, or it's Steve in Collinwood. Steve, are you there? Yes. Go ahead, Steve. So, about tolerance, the most tolerant person in the Bible was Abraham. They said he was the most caring and loving, and that his tent was open to all four sides. And you see what his tolerance brought him was the destruction of his family, a start of a family feud, and, you know, the breakup. And so there, there is a Jewish prayer later when the Torah was written that says, Abraham is our shield, protect us from evil, protect us from Abraham. So they realized even later that his naivety and his and and his tolerance too much is not a good thing. Well, I'll tell you what. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. That's a, it's a great message. He, of course, is referring to what Dr. Everett Piper and I were discussing about tolerance versus love, and I certainly appreciate that. Thank you so much. That's all the time we have for this morning. Uh, great calls. Thanks to those who did call. Thank Apologies to those I did not get on the air. But we'll do it again tomorrow when we have ourselves a free-for-all Friday. Thanks to my guests today. Thanks to my team. And thanks to you for listening. Certainly appreciate that. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. As always, remember, be well, be safe, and stay free Let's if you can. Brandon. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.